0: It's like Francis of Assisi, right? Uh, Speak Christ, use words if you must. We can love in all things. Um, uh, This past week, I got to baptize my daughter. We got a picture of that? So that's her right there on the side. That's my middle daughter. And that's me on the other side with my dad. And um, so what's cool is how young I was and the Lord's been faithful from there till now, and he will be. Um, I was, grew up in this church, so when I was baptized, it was actually at the other, um, the other complex before they built the new one. It was there, but it was this church body. We talk Christian center at the time. And I've, there's a story that my dad likes to tell from around that time in, in our life, was there used to be this, the, the wall was, I think, the, the podium was there and the wall was, the back was there. It was all different, and then we tore it all down as a kid, and I was coming through, and it was a big old mess, a big construction mess, and my dad likes to remind me that I said, man, Jesus made a mess as we kind of were walking through everything, and, and um, he just loved that. He thought it was great, and um, one of my favorite life verses is actually, everything we have accomplished, you have done for us and I would even say our messes, actually. You know, he he even takes those on the cross. It's a miracle. Not only our greatest achievements are by his grace, but even our our failure, he's willing to take that and say he did that for us too. It's amazing. It's amazing who Christ is. Um, Daryl asked me to come and to speak about the kingdom of God. So um, if we can go to the next slide, and we're gonna stay on this slide for a while, Um, and I'm gonna talk about a lot of different things. But... um, The kingdom of God is founded in the covenants of God. And in the covenants of God, in the the Old Testament, we find three covenants. God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with his people, Israel, with Moses, the Mosaic covenant. And God made a covenant with David. So it's not actually just one old covenant and one new covenant. There's three covenants. And the covenant that he made with Abraham didn't depend on Abraham. He comes and he meets Abraham. And he, he speaks with Abraham in Genesis, I think it's 15. And um, he tells Abraham that he's gonna give him land, that he's gonna give him descendants like the stars, and that they're gonna get to live in this land. And Abraham took that to heart. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed the covenant that God was making with him. And then God made that covenant with fire and with sacrifice and he made a promise to Abraham and Abraham yearned for that city that God would build for the rest of his life. And this, this verse right here um, out of Hebrews says Abraham was looking forward to the city whose foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He never got to see that city. He lived his whole life yearning for something that he didn't get to see. But it was based not only in two things. It's impossible for God to lie, so if God says it, it's true. And then adding to that, God swore an oath and made a covenant. It was, It's a sure thing. Abraham was going to experience, and his descendants would experience, living in the land in a city whose architect and whose builder is God. And Sure enough, the descendants of Abraham get to dwell in the land. And it's a journey for them. They don't just, you know, have this wonderful time from Abraham on. They end up in Egypt and they get delivered from Egypt out of slavery and they get brought into the land that God promises them. And God makes a covenant again on the mountain of Sinai with Moses. But this covenant, unlike the one he made with Abraham, is made contingent on the people. So this one requires to enter into the blessing, the fullness of it, it requires their obedience. It's a, it's a bit different than the first covenant. And so he makes this covenant and they all say yes, we'll follow and we wanna we want walk in the blessings of the land and God brings them into the land. And they get established as a nation. And beautifully without a king. There's no king because God is their king. So there's the starting to be the realization of this city, this land, in which God is the king, in which they're dwelling together, as God had promised, and he's fulfilling his promise. And then they ask for a king, and we know the story, we know what happens with Saul, and then God establishes a king. God establishes David, and he makes another covenant. And he says to David that a descendant of David will always forever sit on the throne. The throne of David becomes an eternal throne in the city that God will build. So God makes three, in addition to being honest, all the way through everything that God always says and able to fulfill, God makes three distinct covenants, which will never change. God swore them with an oath and made a covenant with people. And really the context of understanding the kingdom of God needs to be understood in the context of these covenants that God made. And so when the prophets then arise, they're always, when they're prophesying about the future, they're speaking about the covenants because the thing about when God promises something and then you remember it, you begin to prophesy because God's gonna be faithful to what he said. So if God has said something to you and you speak it into your future, it's it's like a prophecy because God is going to be there in the future fulfilling it so the prophets begin to prophesy about what will come to Israel by reminding the people of what God has said in the past. So he reminds, the prophets come, they remind the people that there will be a day, the day of the Lord, in which there will be a a king, a Messiah, who will sit on the throne of David and who will bring justice and righteousness. And he he reminds, the, the prophets remind the people all throughout that, they need to be righteous to live in this promise and this blessing. So there, there's this, this, all this poetry, all this, all this um, prophecy about the coming day of the Lord, when they will be in this city, they will be in the kingdom of God, and it'll be a day of vengeance because God's heart beat all through the prophets is justice. You can't read the prophets without being pierced with the thought of the widow and the orphan and the downtrodden. You can't read it. It's, it's like it's God's concern throughout and it's very clear that when, the, when the, the Lord comes and is established that he's going to set the captives free and when Jesus comes, indeed, he opens the scroll and says, I have come to deliver the captives because that is the heartbeat of what defines the kingdom of God, that the prophets are reminding the people God has promised they will live in. And the people don't live up to the righteousness of God. And so what happens is the coming day of the Lord is a day of terror and of smoke and of vengeance. The prophets know it will be because the people have not lived up to it. So how can it be anything else? If the land is full of bloodshed, if the land is full of sin, then how can a just God come and establish a kingdom and it not be anything other than devastating? So they prophesy the kingdom of God will come and it'll be devastating, the day of the Lord. And they also prophesy that it'll be a day of victory for Israel. God will be faithful to his promise. He will establish the prophecies of God and the covenants to Abraham and to Israel and to David. So they they, they see it as a day of vindication and a day of terror because justice is coming. And they prophesy about this quite a bit. So then enter Jesus into history and we can go to the next slide here. Oh wait, we missed a slide. Is that the next slide? Go back. Okay, I'm going to just say what the next one is. So, because I don't know, I messed up the slides. I messed them up earlier. Jesus comes, and in Matthew four, Jesus is baptized. And before Matthew four, Jesus is baptized. He goes up to the mountain, and then he begins his ministry. In Matthew four, he goes. It says he goes out preaching the kingdom of God. So Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God, but this is the miracle. God didn't come in the day of vengeance. God came as a baby. When the king came, he came in vulnerability and humility and as a baby. And he, he grew in wisdom and in stature and then he preached the kingdom. He's the king and where the king goes, there is the kingdom. He preaches the kingdom. He preaches the deliverance. And then if we can go to what he says when he goes to the mountaintop. The, um, so now when he... This is a little bit after he's preaching the kingdom. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You're reading it if I got it wrong, but, but the, the point here is, the point here is, I mean, like, in all of history and in literature, this Sermon on the Mount. I mean, like, this is how I feel about the Sermon on the Mount. Like, he you, you, you should have come in vengeance. He came to bring justice, and he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, it cuts to our heart with justice. And so there's a few things to say here, but one is... In this house, as I've, as I've gone to church here through the years, I know that people have suffered, have seen hardship. There's mourning that has happened. There's hardship, there's, uh, there's hunger for the Lord. There's a, like, we hunger for the Lord. You know, it's, it's not just this, if you were just baptized in the faith and we're like, yeah. Then like, welcome to the family we're gonna walk together through the hard things. When my daughter was baptized, I, um, I was talking to her about how she was taking hold of faith in Jesus for herself. She was gonna stand before the Lord. I wasn't gonna be there, nobody was gonna be there. This was between her and, and God. This was her faith. It's true. I added, you're also being baptized into the faith of our family. Jesus is the head of our household. The faith of my father, which was passed to me. The faith of our household is Jesus is the head of this house. And so you're baptized into family. Jesus is the reason my wife and I are together. The reason we're there for our kids. Jesus is the reason, the only reason. And so the community of God is not just this isolated journey and when Jesus came to preach this kingdom, it's, it's, it's a journey we're on in our solitude. It's a journey that we're on as family. And it's a journey we're on as kingdom. When we were preaching the baptism, Chase was like, we went from darkness and translated into the kingdom of light. And so we're this kingdom of light where, because Jesus is the light. And, he, and in, in his light, we stand. And we, we share in the burdens together. So the one we follow went the way of the cross and we get to go with him. So let's not turn back like the one who turned into a pillar of salt. Let's not look back like those who are not worthy, but let's look to the one who suffered for the joy that was set before him. Because when he came, he, in his great mercy, he didn't come in vengeance. He came and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So this is a really awesome encouragement for anybody who's gone through anything hard. Is God is with you there and in that hardship is a blessing that God can work his kingdom into your heart. So praise God that that is how, I mean, that God would come like that before he comes again. Because he's also not leaving the world in its sin. And in, it's, it's like this, this awesome gospel has gone forth. And, and when he came to, when the, the covenants come and Jesus come, the, when the covenants are on our, when Jesus is, <laughs> excuse me, when God is faithful to the covenants to not leave everybody landless, and destitute and lost, but to bring them together, he does it in Jesus. And when he comes in Jesus, he establishes a new covenant, the covenant of his blood, which finding fault with the first covenant or by finding fault with them, of course, the Mosaic covenant is perfect. This is all coming from Hebrews. The Mosaic covenant was perfect, but finding fault with them, they didn't live up to it. So therefore, therefore, he came and he established another covenant, one of grace. And so this one also doesn't depend on us. The one that we couldn't live up to, just, he came and he lived up to it for us, right? So he brings a new covenant. And then he, as he ascends from the Mount of Olives to heaven, he says, this gospel will go forth into all the earth, the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. So the kingdom of God is all the earth, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, represented in the faithfulness of God, in the land. It's Jesus on the throne in Jerusalem with all the nations pouring in to give him glory. That is the political destiny Of the earth, and in His mercy, He has sent that gospel to all the lands, and we get to be grafted in to the promises that were made to Israel. So now we're grafted into the covenants, and we're partakers of the promises, and we get to lay hold of God's kingdom in our lives. And it's a matter that when He came, He taught us pierces our heart. It's a matter of our heart, so we. Jesus came and he, he showed us that the, the justice begins in our heart with a poor spirit where his blessing is comforting you in your mourning. So that's where the kingdom of God comes to dwell. What's the next slide? The kingdom of God is, is such a pervasive aspect of what Jesus taught. When he came and he prays, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It is a driving, it is what he came to do is establish his kingdom. And when we pray, he invites us to join him in bringing the kingdom and entering in the kingdom. So he comes, he's baptized, he preaches the gospel of the kingdom. He preaches the beautiful Sermon on the Mount. He teaches people to pray. It's all about this kingdom. And then, so that we would understand it, he begins to teach it in parables. And he, there's the parable of the, the sower sowing seed. It's that gospel going out into the earth. And then it's the story of what happens as the gospel goes out into the earth and how some receive it with fertile soil and it grows in them. And others suffer from the cares of this world or from the enemy. They, they, they don't lay hold of what is valuable. They don't see the value in it. It tells the story of the wheat and the tares and how he plants wheat, but how an enemy comes and plant tares and they both grow up. But then the angels come and they harvest because the wheat is the good, the, the righteous, and the tares were the wicked and the angels come and they harvest the earth. So it's the same story. It's, there's, a, there's a kingdom that's coming. There's a seed that's been sown and there, when that great harvest comes, the gospel will be manifest in our lives. So it's like the fear of the Lord is, is what I would like to bless you with in that thought. You know? He tells the, the story of um, the merchant who sells everything for the field He sees something so valuable. Because the ones that have the fertile heart, when you hear the gospel of the kingdom, when you hear that justice is coming in God, they say nothing else compares. Nothing else compares. They sell everything and they lay a hold of it. Or the person who's the merchant who lays a hold of the great pearl. So, The way we respond to the kingdom is to value it above all else. To see it like Abraham did, as the thing that, is, that you yearn for. And there's this deep need for justice in all of us. It's like our whole, our whole world is like in turmoil over how to have a just utopian society. Jesus is coming and will bring it. And the only way to begin to experience that justice is by having it in our heart now through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is justice. The just shall live by faith. So when you have, and when you look at the great atrocities of the past 100 years, they were, in Hitler's case, he rejected The covenants. He rejected the Jews. He rejected the thing which is the basis of the kingdom of God. He hated it, he opposed it, and the the turmoil and the the, the, that resulted. And then in communism, they they claimed justice. We're gonna fight for the oppressed, they said, and we're gonna do it in our own strength at the expense of the church. We're gonna rise up against God and we're gonna establish a just and righteous society is what they said. And they killed more people. There's the only way that we can carry justice into the world is by letting the word of God pierce our heart by having a, if you spend more time meditating on the Beatitudes than you do on the news, then you'll be better equipped to bring justice into this world. If you spend time think, cultivating a meek heart, then you will have the power to bring peace, to be a peacemaker. These are the children of God. This is what it is to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king and he is coming and he will judge the earth. And so we have the opportunity to carry the great mercy that he showed by sending his son as a baby, as one who went the way of the cross. When we carry the cross into the gospel, when we carry the gospel of the cross into the culture, it brings the justice. I, um, I'm not up here with notes because I tried to organize my thoughts and I wrestled with it and some people that saw me beforehand saw me wrestling with it and, and I just had to set them aside because I was like, Lord, I just trust you. It's, it's okay. I, I can look like an idiot if I need to. I'm just gonna do my best. And, uh, but I, I, so I hope that was clear. Um, I wanna end with a dream that I had where God sowed his kingdom into me, like how I view laying a hold of the kingdom in my life. It was a dream I had in the night. It's actually the most precious dream that I have ever had and I hold it very close to my heart. I had about seven years ago maybe and I've meditated on it since then. And I will probably be thinking about this dream for the rest of my life. And um, you know, it says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We actually get to sit in the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done. So you're welcome to stay in your seats right here, so to speak, or you can let your spirit kind of rise up as I share this dream to that heavenly place. You know, I kind of invite you to come with me um, in faith in this, this dream that God gave me. And, and you know, it's, I know it's not your dream that you've, you didn't have this dream at night, I'm aware of that, but the principles are the same principles that are in what Jesus said. You know, um, it's just a picture of letting go and trusting God and running forward which is ultimately what, what the kingdom's all about is trusting that, that God has, can be justice for you, that he can vindicate you, that he can comfort you when you mourn, that you don't need to go be greedy when you, and grab, 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 take, take, take. You can be poor in spirit because his kingdom is your inheritance. So there's this place where you trust God and then in trusting God, there's a justice that, you're able to partake in. So this is the dream that I had. Um, I dreamed that I was walking through a house. There was lots of different rooms and I went straight through the house. I wasn't worried about anything in any of the rooms. There was all these games in these different rooms. I went through all, didn't even think about them, straight through the back. And I got to the the back of the house and there was this big archway looking out into (laughs) fairyland. Fairyland the way that George MacDonald or that um, C.S. Lewis would write about it. So there's this landscape beside me. And to my right, there's a creature that's an angelic creature. And um, I stood beside the creature and I, and I thought, and, and, I, and I realized that we could hear each other's thoughts. So I'm standing beside this creature looking out at Fairyland. And I... Um, I look down at my feet and I'm barefoot and I realize I don't have a bag and I have nothing. And I know that it's God's country. I know that ahead of me is the kingdom. And it's raining, I see it start to rain. And I have a choice. So this is an invitation to go out into the rain with nothing. And I just think to myself, everything's gonna be just fine. And the creature says, yeah. It's gonna be fine. And then I just run, run into the countryside. And the rain just hits me in the face. And it's just warm. And I'm just running on this beginning of this epic quest. And that dream, I woke up and I had the best feeling that you could imagine. And there's just this place in the Lord. There's a kingdom of God that's ahead of us. And everything is there and all we need is like Abraham the faith to go to a country that we don't know what it is and yeah it might be raining yes it's the way of the cross yes we may not have what we think we need the shoes or the equipment or we might feel like we need to prepare or what did he say like go and bury that you know like attend to your household there's no we don't need to do any of that you may have nothing you don't need anything God's out there it's gonna be just fine So I just invite you, as you consider the kingdom of God, to realize that it is the seriousness of all of history, it is the culmination of everything that is and was and every covenant and promise that God has made to anyone ever. It is the very thing which Abraham laid a hold of by faith that which was righteousness. And that you are invited into the kingdom by a God who would not just come in vengeance and rightfully so, and judge the wicked which we would all be counted among. Instead, he sent his son that we would have the opportunity to lay a hold of this kingdom. So I just invite you, I invite you to just let go of anything that would encumber you and to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and to run after him. So that's what makes us Family. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to me.